most of the places that we go in life throughout the week, we obey the unwritten rules that we have to pretend like we have it all together, even when it's not true. And sometimes we are tempted to think that church is like that, but it's not supposed to be. Christian community should be the most real place on earth. And so we had this opportunity here as we gather for worship to pray together and to open our hearts and to admit to ourselves at least and to God that we don't and to admit to God that we need you, that we need God's healing and God's grace and God's power in our lives. So let's take a moment here and slow down our hearts and open our hearts to God in prayer. Good and gracious God, we need you and we thank you for all that you are and for all that you do for our lives. We need your grace and your healing for all that's broken and ashamed in our lives. We need your power for all the fear in our lives and we need your forgiveness for all the sin in our lives. Because even in this last week, we have broken relationship with you and we have made choices that have broken relationship with one another. We've not loved you with our whole heart as you've called us to do. We've not loved one another, our neighbors as ourselves, as Jesus teaches and leads us to do. And we thank you so much for your forgiveness and grace that you come and find us where we are, that there is no dark corner too far away where you won't come get us and bring us back to yourself. And God, as we are gathered here in worship today, we pray that your empowering presence would fill this place and fill our hearts and enter into our relationships and that you would empower us to trust you and love you and to be made secure by your grace and love and strengthened to go out again from this place, encouraged by one another and encouraged by you to live our lives in your way, Jesus, to be a testimony in the world to your grace and your goodness at work even in the midst of our lives. And this we pray as we live in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you please go ahead and be seated and I invite John Hansen to come forward and begin by sharing some, his story with us. Good morning. And as Steve said, I'm John Hansen. <laughs> uh, my prayer story is about a time of, of reluctance towards prayer and a time of reward for prayer. Late last fall, as the church was preparing for our Serve Day Sunday, there was a sign-up sheet in the Commons for a 24-hour prayer vigil that was scheduled for the Sunday before the event. My wife Penny and I thought this would be a good opportunity to serve, and we signed up for, for an hour time slot in the evening of the prayer vigil. A couple of weeks after signing up, the Sunday of the prayer vigil came. Penny and I went to worship that morning and spent the afternoon at home relaxing. Evening came and it was time to head back to church. It was early December and it was cold and dark outside. And Penny and I started having second thoughts. I hate to say it, but we, were, uh, we weren't very excited about leaving our warm home and, he and heading out for an hour of prayer. We debated about it, but the Holy Spirit must have given us a little nudge and begrudgingly, we bundled up and headed out to church. When we got to church, we headed to the community room where the prayer vigil was to occur. The lights were low. In one corner of the room, there were candles and beanbag chairs. 
The church provided us with a list of prayer requests and Penny and I settled in for our time of prayer. An hour went by and we got up to head home. It was amazing how our attitude had changed, how close we felt to the Lord and to each other. What had seemed like an obligation was now a very meaningful experience. The wonderful turnout and success of Serve Day the following week only confirmed the power of prayer and the importance of making it part of our daily lives. It's Michaela. <laughs> right now I'm in at YWAM San Francisco and when you're watching this I'll actually be in Vietnam for my outreach base. About a week ago Steve emailed me a list of questions and asked me to talk about a time when I prayed for Thanksgiving and, and praise. And I'm just going to share you a little story about a time here at YWAM. So this week of lecture phase was Lordship and Worship and our speaker challenged us to stand on top of a chair and declare a praise and worship to God. When I got to class, I was so nervous because I've never declared that before out loud, standing on a chair in front of everybody, like all my classmates. It was a really scary time and I was very anxious, but like once you like start and I did it, I like didn't notice anyone else in the room and I just like felt this presence of God right next to me as I declared these things of who he is and like what he's done and thanked him for that. It was a really cool experience. I, I don't remember a lot of it because all I felt was just like God's presence and that's like what stuck with me. But in that time I've learned that there's a very powerful thing behind declaring thanksgiving and praise to God that you're actually noticing him and thanking him for the things that he's done in your life and like declaring who he is and you're constantly reminding yourself that God is good and God is faithful and he's like your protector and your father. This experience is something like I'm never gonna forget and it will like be with me like forever because it's the first time I really like stood up and like declared that to him in front of people that at the time didn't really know me that well and uh, it just grew us closer together as a team and just like as a body and community um, and yeah it grew my relationship with God and uh, yeah so that is this time where I prayed for Thanksgiving and praise. Do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> Easier said than done. I'm Kathy Stoff. And I'd like to do a short prayer here. Lord, please be with me as I share my story and bless the ears that are about to hear it. Prayer has been a vital part of my relationship with God. While there are so many instances he has answered or not my prayers, there are two times that come to mind, a home. Some 40 years ago, I was a mixed up woman and found myself single, depressed, pregnant, and suicidal. It probably was the lowest time of my life. After deciding to go ahead and keep the baby, I was in search of an apartment, even though my mother would have been happy to have us both as boarders. Besides, I thought, how can you say be good if we won't go to grandma's house if we live there? Yeah. So I went looking for an apartment and I found a perfect one bedroom apartment. The owner showed me around, and at the end of the tour, I told him I was pregnant and that this would be perfect. He responded, oh no, we don't rent to single pregnant women. I was crushed beyond words. 
I went home to my mother's and cried. She prayed. That evening, the phone rang, and it was the apartment owner, and he said, Kathy, I've changed my mind. He said, I started thinking, I have a daughter. Anyway, the apartment's yours. That is where my life with my son Ryan and I, my run, that's where Ryan and I started our lives together. A bed. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment as a single parent with my son Ryan. Ryan slept in a crib in the bedroom and I slept on a hide bed in the living room. When Ryan became a toddler, he had outgrown the crib. I was strapped for money, going to school on public assistance, and had no money for a bed. Frustrated and hopeless one afternoon, I got on my knees and prayed, ending with, God, if you help me provide for this child, I promise I'll raise him to love you. When I finished, I did what anyone would do in a crisis, laundry. <laughs> I went downstairs to the washing machines, and connected to that room was another empty room. By chance, I stuck my head inside the room, and there, leaning against the wall, was a twin bed with this note on it. To whomever, I do not need this bed. You may have it. It is in good condition. There's nothing wrong with it. I just don't want the hassle of selling it. Thanks. Keep the faith. I know. It still gives me chills when I think about it. I have the note laminated and kept in my Bible. I took a picture of Ryan on the bed. And here, uh, Grandma came through with the Sesame Street bedspread. So it was a hit. Um, our lives were blessed and filled then with uh, rich blessings and hardships. But to fast forward, Ryan uh, ended up in college and graduated from St. John's. The Archbishop came and gave the commencement exercise a speech, and then he talked about how trees and bushes need to be pruned in order to grow. He finished the speech, stepped away from the microphone, stepped back to the microphone, and said, keep the faith. From a bed to a college education, God was faithful. While I don't think that God has a magic wand and just gives me whatever I ask for, I know he already knows what I need. I believe through his grace, he humbles me in a good way to a point where I can reach out to him in prayer. Then I too can grow. I never found out who left the bed or the note, but I'm amazed that because of one person desire to give a bed away, I'm standing here 37 years later telling about it. Praise God. I'm Melinda, I'm the Director of Student Ministries here, and I have been in Student Ministries for a very long time, and teenagers are my favorite people group. Um, but like all things in life, there are up seasons and there are down seasons, and um, when we were asked to share of a time that God had provided for us, it brought me back to this season. And this particular season was actually um, a really dark time. It was a really hard time in student ministries. There was a lot going on and a lot happening with our teenagers. And um, there, it was to the point that it was overwhelming. And I was starting to question why I was even in student ministries anymore. 
And there was one night that I remember, it was another hard night. A lot of stuff came my way, a lot of things happening again with our students, and um, just again, icky, dark things. And um, got in my car to go home after that night of confirmation, and um, I just started saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't think I meant to do this anymore. I don't think I meant for student ministries. I don't think I meant to lead teenagers. This is so hard. I can't do it anymore. I'm going to trust what you want for me. I'm going to follow what you want, but I don't think this is it. I think you're calling me somewhere else. And in that moment, as I was crying out to the Lord in my car, and I did, I had literal tears coming down my face. As I was praying to him, I heard my phone buzz that I had gotten a text message. So I continued my way home, continued crying out to him, telling him that I don't think this was where I was supposed to be anymore. And as I got home, parked my car, I pulled my phone out, and I did, I had a text message. And so I read this message, and let me just preface that I did a really good job of hiding what was going on and how dark and icky things had gotten from our students. Nobody had an idea of the struggle that I was having. And as I pull out my phone, I had a, student, or I had a message from a student. And this text message had said in it, Melinda, I don't know why I'm sending this to you, but God put it on my heart, and I want to tell you that we love you, and God has you where he wants you, God has you where he needs you, and you're doing great in student ministries. God had provided answers. God had provided direction, and it was right there in that moment. And he had used a student, he had used a teenager to speak that provision to me. And so that, for me, it was just an amazing time of seeing how God was quick to answer, quick to answer prayer, quick to provide, and that he had, I love that he had used a student to do that. My name is Beth Anderson, and I'm going to share a time where um, I prayed through a really dark valley in our family life. Um, we had a son who was three months old who needed surgery. Um, he had hernias, and so we went and we brought him in to, for surgery, and the doctor said it would be about 45 minutes, and so we waited that 45 minutes, and the doctor came to visit us. And, the doctor came in and said, I'm sorry, we had a problem with your little boy. He had a cardiac arrest. Um, at that moment, I just remember dropping to my knees and just begging the Lord, just pleading with him and just asking him to help this little boy. And I remember my husband picking me up and we held each other and we walked down to see this little baby laying on this big giant bed with all these machines attached to him. Um, it didn't look good for him. We put him on a cooling pad and we're told that, you know, if we want to harvest his organs to donate them, we could do that. Um, we continued to monitor him. We prayed over him for 24 hours. That 24 hours felt like a lifetime. I remember my prayer going from a pleading to a, thy will be done. Lord, that just, thy will be done with this little boy. Whatever your will is, that you will, it will be seen and that we will have peace with that. That 24 hours passed and we did some scans and by the grace of God, there was brain activity. And um, days went on, and things started looking better and better. And within that week, he was off all machines and doing fine. 
There was nothing that they could find that was wrong with him. The doctor said they don't know how it happened, and I do. Um, and so after that, we, we went home, and he did have the surgery three, when, probably three or four months later. But before he had that surgery, I got a phone call from the doctor. Um, and that doctor said to me, I need to, I need to tell you something, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. There was a human error, and that is why our son had a cardiac arrest. And I remember in that moment, I wasn't angry. I was peaceful. And I remember just in my heart saying, he is forgiven. The Lord has forgiven us, and he is forgiven. Um, we, Alexander had his surgery, and everything went fine. When Alexander was two, he came to me and said, Mommy, you know, I sat on Jesus' lap. And I said, you did? And he said, yeah, he held me. And I said, tell me about that. And he said, well, he held me for a little bit. And then he said, mommy, he told me that you and daddy needed me. And so I should go back. And, and he, we did. We needed him more than anything. And I pray for that boy every day that thy will be done, that the Lord will use him in great ways. I pray that for all of our children. But I remember in that dark time, going from a pleading to a, peaceful, thy will be done, because the Lord is in control. Hi, my name is Diane Preston, and I'm going to tell you my story. For me, prayer has been a lifeline. I'm going through some difficult times right now, but praising God is what keeps me closest to Him. At times, this is the very last thing I want to do, but God calls me to it. Jesus meets me where I'm at and fills me with his Holy Spirit. I speak back to him his attributes. He is faithful. He is forgiving. He is loving. He is holy. I will use his many names to speak to him. Breath of Life, Abba Father, the Messiah, Prince of Peace. When we see God in his awesome majesty, that's only when we see ourselves as we really are. Praying with the Psalms has been so powerful. Personalizing them, sometimes rewriting them to fit my situation is helpful. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you, Diane, and teach you the ways you should go. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, and my shield and horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I love playing worship music and letting those words just melt my heart and give it back to him. Also spending time reading his word, claiming his promises. I write them down to reflect on them and then remind God of these things. Proverbs 16.3 Commit your way to the Lord, and he will establish your plans. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I am learning to focus on these promises, not on my problems. I try to get away from my expectations and face life expectantly with what God has for me in his perfect plan. I spend time listening to what he says, creating space to hear that, and try to stay close to him throughout the day. I intentionally see him speaking to me through answers to prayer, through circumstances, 
through other people, through the scripture, and just through the Holy Spirit speaking to me throughout the day when I am waiting for him. As Tim Keller states, you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So God is good. Hi, my name is Brenda Collins, and um, one of the things that I'm blessed enough to do is on Monday mornings, I meet with a group of moms, mothers of preschoolers. And a couple years ago, one Monday um, after our meeting, I was in the kitchen doing dishes, and one of my friends, one of the other moms, um, just kind of came up to me and said, hey, Brenda, do you have a minute? I'd like to talk to you. And I said, well, you know, sure, but um, I'm doing dishes, can I wait a minute? And I kind of looked up and I, when I said that and I thought, you know, this is one of those moments that she needs to talk to me. So I said, sure, I knew that it was serious, so we were talking. Um, she knew that I was a breast cancer survivor, so she was telling me um, that she was kind of in the middle of a scare herself. She wanted me to know she wanted me to pray for her and her family and upcoming appointments, and she just wanted to talk to me. And I thought, wow, she's asking me to pray for her. Imagine that. And so I kind of gave her a hug, sent her on her way, told her I'd pray for her, went back to dishes. And as I'm doing dishes, I'm thinking about what I went through, thinking about what she might be going through, and finished dishes, and I thought, you know, I need to pray for her now. You know, I need to pray for with her. And um, so I gave her a call, and she had already left church, and I said, well, do you mind coming back? Um, I'd really like to pray with you now. And she goes, sure, you know, I'll be right back. So we uh, went over to the chapel and sat down on one of the pews, and we talked for a little bit and um, cried for a little bit and prayed. And I, I realized the power of prayer in that moment of actually taking the time to pray for somebody in that moment. Um, I think a lot of times we go through life and says, I'll pray for you. And then we get on with life. We get on with how busy life can be and we don't take that time. I know I'm very guilty of that. Um, so I just realized that Sometimes, whether it's a silent prayer or it's an out loud prayer, because I don't like praying out loud. So when I did that that day, I just like felt the Holy Spirit saying, pray for her, pray with her. Um, so um, I'm happy to say that after a couple weeks of communicating with her and, and praying for her, that she came back and she goes, it's nothing, she's fine. So it was just comforting to know that somebody that came to me and that I was able to follow through on that prayer. Good morning, church. Thank you to our pastors for being concerned about our prayer life and for teaching us through scripture. First, sorry there. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing or pray continuously. How am I supposed to do that and still get something done? 
These worlds have rattled around inside my head long before I became a Christian some 20 years ago. What does this mean? At the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I learned that I had been seeking with my soul was to delight in the Lord, a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Later on, I learned or read the words that Jesus no longer calls us servants, but rather friend, for me to quit trying to earn God's favor, rather to believe that Jesus' death on the cross was all that I needed for me to be a friend of Jesus and to believe. Later, I learned that Jesus would send me the Holy Spirit to guide me, to comfort me, to be with me always, like the friend I always needed, a continuous personal relationship with our God. So back to 1 Thessalonians. Over time, prayer for me has become more of a growing awareness that God is always with me, as he promised to be. And with any other close relationship, it requires honesty with my companion as well as with myself. Regular open communication, both through sharing, listening, and a continuous commitment to stay close, to study scripture. As with any relationship, what does God want from me? What could the God of the universe want with me? My heart, to seek him to delight in him and to be aware that, yes, he is God, but that he loves me, us, and only wants the best for me, us. To trust him, to love him and his ways, this is what brings delight to me. I'd like to share with you one more story from a member of our church community who couldn't be here with us this morning, but this is what she wrote to share with you about uh, an example of growing in prayer. Long ago, there was a time when I harbored resentment towards someone who was a leader in our church, and I knew I needed to pray about that. And I would pray that God would help me forgive them for how they had hurt people here at church, and my resentment would temporarily disappear but then it would return, and I would pray again about it. And after experiencing this several times, I finally realized I needed to change my prayer, and I began to pray that God would give me love for this person. And God answered my prayers and gave me a, well, a love that overwhelmed me and wiped out the resentment that I had been feeling. This was a powerful lesson for me. I'd like to lead us in a moment of prayer uh, for uh, growing in God's spirit and growing in prayer. And to do that, having heard the Bible reading already just a few minutes ago, I want to read it to you again. You're familiar with it a little bit now. And now I want to read it to you and invite you to listen prayerfully. You might even want to close your eyes and listen to these words. And I'll read these as a prayer and then continue and, and close us with a few more words of prayer. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Good and gracious God, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would grow us up that you would build us up together, that you would grow us in the knowledge of you, in the receiving of your love, in loving you, in love for one another, in unity together, in work together, in works of service together in your name. We pray that you would grow us up, drawing us closer and closer to you, more and more in conformity to you, Lord Jesus. And as you draw us closer and closer to you, you make us inevitably closer and closer to one another. And so we pray you would fill us by your spirit, make us like Christ, make us like Christ together. You have next steps of growth in discipleship and Christ-likeness for each of us. We pray that you would lay them on our hearts today and we commit to you here together that we will take them and pray that you would give us the courage and the faith and the love to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.